Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Good morning to you, nine minutes after 9 a.m. So glad to be here today on this glorious Wednesday morning, two days from Christmas. Not sure what your Christmas plans are. I'm not going anywhere, but I got kids coming to see me. That makes me very happy. Uh, let's see, I have uh, two, three married sons. All, uh, actually, one of them lives here in town, and he's actually leaving town for Christmas, so I'll miss out on him. But uh, my other two married sons will be coming home, and my college kid is already here. And my uh, my high school kid, who's been out of town, will be back. So we're going to have a lot of fun this Christmas. Hope you're going to have a lot of fun, too. Uh, I understand, and again, I, I don't ever want to minimize the effects that coronavirus can have on people, but uh, I feel like we can do things safely in the right way here in, you know, and in, in, I like having family around. And uh, so, you know, forgive me. If, if, if it offends you, forgive me. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, speaking of <laughs> Congress though, doing things anyway today, uh, want to talk a little bit about this uh, quote-unquote stimulus bill. And uh, by the way, Allie is producing today. Hi, Allie. Hi. She will be, she'll be the, if you call in, she'll be the first voice you hear. She'll mm-hmm. call, ask your name and ask uh, what it is you want to talk about. And, and she'll relay that on to me. I will be multitasking, talking and reading at the same time, which sometimes can be a disaster, Allie. <laughs> but sometimes it's good. Too. You, you handle it so well. You do. <laughs> I need a big giant. If I had a big giant screen in front of me, like a, a TV screen with big letters yeah. saying who was on what line and stuff. I mean, you know, it's not going to happen, but that'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. So That'd be way cool. Anyway, uh, if you want to call and be a part of the show, 673-5890, like I said, you'll talk to Allie first, and then we'll get you uh, on the program. Now, about this stimulus bill, and I'm going to leave Allie's microphone on for a second uh, uh, because I want to get her take on this, too, uh, But before we throw my take out there. But, Allison, when the st- stimulus bill first passed, okay, it was like, okay, hey, $600 for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you said, well, wait a minute, there was a few people that, that voted no on this, including yeah. Congressman Mike Lee from the state of Utah yeah. in the Senate and Chris Stewart and, and uh, John Curtis in, in the House. And you're like, wait, why are our Utah guys against this? What yeah. What the heck's going on? As the thing was unfolding, Allie, what was kind of your take on this? Well, yeah, it, that's pretty much, you said it. You know, I'm like, hey, cool, you know, we're going to get another, you know, 600 bucks. I could use it because... Mm-hmm. You know, I was out of work over the summer and, um, but then these guys that I trust, especially, you know, Mike Lee and Congressman Stewart, yeah. I, I know of them a lot. I'm like, if they're saying no to this, there must be some reason Something that smells I don't funny, understand. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and Mike Lee's re- uh, first statement after the no vote, uh, somebody said, why did you vote no? And this is before he, remember, they got this 5,600-page report mm-hmm. uh, for the bill uh, like two or three hours before the vote was to take place. Yeah. And Mike, his first his first uh, kind of uh, word out there, I think he tweeted it, was, I can't vote yes on a bill I haven't read. Mm-hmm. And he said, I guarantee you all the people that did vote yes on this bill, they haven't read it either. Yeah, there's no way they could have. It's all they, big. yeah. All they knew was, okay, it's going to be 600 bucks for, for folks. Mm-hmm. Now, that's pretty irresponsible. Imagine signing a contract, uh, maybe buying a car, right? Yeah. And you got, uh, you know, you're right there in the car dealership. You're in the office talking to the guy, and he says, uh, hey, uh, all right, uh, let's, let, let's, uh, let's sell you this car. 
got a great price on it. I just need you to uh, to sign this contract here. It's it's eight pages, uh, but got to have that signature right now. So so if you'll just sign off on that, uh, let's do it. Yeah, like right? eight pages. They're like uh, eight pages. Well, and so you asked the guy, was there anything in there that I should be worried about? Oh no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's it's fine. And then you start. Re- you, you decide maybe I shouldn't sign it yeah. until I read it, like Mike Lee said. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you read it, and uh, I, I wanted to go over some of the things on this. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So um, let me get to the right page here on my computer. Uh, and interestingly enough, and uh, I'll let the uh, I'll let the I, I see the phone lines are, are coming, Allie. So I'll turn your mic down and let you take care of that okay. uh, while I go over this part of it. Uh, interestingly enough. Uh, the first online news source to report on this was not Fox News. It certainly wasn't uh, CNN or MSNBC or any of those. The first news source that I found, this was uh, yesterday, first news source I found to report on this bloated bill was BBC.com. Yeah, the British Broadcasting Corporation's uh, news site. And you say, well, yeah, they were they're earlier than the time zone. And uh, no, no, they they were the first ones that were actually telling the truth about what was going on here. Uh, in the bill, uh, it talks. It's unbelievable some of these things are. And by the way, that much much appreciation to President Trump yesterday for coming out and really calling it like it is. Uh, he did have staffers work on this bill and, and, and re- basically explain to him what the bill was about. Uh, and, and President Trump said, I'm not going to sign that bill. I will not sign a bill that gives $600 to Americans and $600 million, no, excuse me, $1.3 billion for Egypt so they can buy more airplanes. How about uh, $85.5 million to Cambodia? Burma gets a $1.34 million, $505 million to the countries of Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. And this one, this one gets me $25 million for gender programs in Pakistan. Now, maybe there's someone out there that can explain to me what a gender program in Pakistan is or for it, what's it for and why it costs $25 million to implement but I'm sitting here going, you know, Bob down the street's business is gone forever. It's not coming back because the government told him he had to shut it down. And then when they when he finally came back, the governor came on and said, wow, we really shouldn't eat out. You know, uh, this is everybody's going to die. We, we really shouldn't be dangerous. Or we really shouldn't do these dangerous things. And and so um, I'm I, I'm looking at this bill and and what was reported in the bill and I haven't read it. I'm not going to read. I don't have time to read 5,600 pages, uh, but the reports I'm reading about are all these things are included in this, including one provision. And we talked with Jimmy Custon about this earlier this morning, one provision in there that uh, takes away the president's ability to quell an insurrection. Ooh. So if there's writing going on, uh, this little provision says the president can't do anything about it without uh, Congress signing on. So this this little wolf in sheep's clothing, hey, everybody, you get $600. Ignore the rest. Don't look over there. It's the Wizard of Oz, the wizard behind the curtain. Don't look at the little man behind the curtain. Look at all the lights and flashing. Look at the $600 
check you're going to get. So President Trump came out yesterday and he said, look, six, number one, 600 is not enough. Uh, we got people who are really hurting. And $600, for instance, uh, Tulsi Gabbard in, in Hawaii said that won't even pay a fourth of rent in most houses in Hawaii. That's not enough money. The president said that's not enough money. I'm like, well, wait a minute, but it's already, you know, it's already really expensive. That's because of all the other stuff. And the President Trump went over all the other stuff, all this foreign aid, all this money. Things going to, uh, to the arts in Washington, D.C., when, when the, these, you know, the Kennedy Center, places like that, aren't even open. And so, you know, for, for the president to come out and actually get plaudits from both sides of the fence, uh, it was huge. So, anyway, uh, this bill is nothing but trouble. And I'm so glad that the president called it out and said, this is, this is not going to work. We've got to fix this. So, okay, let's go to line two. Ryan is on line two. Let me see if I can push the right button over here. Ryan, how's it going today? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for calling. Good. So, I hear we're talking about the stimulus package. And, yeah, I did want to make a few comments on that. Yeah, fire away. Okay, well, uh one of the issues we always have with government is, is that we're always talking about how they're overstepping their bounds from their constitutional authority, constitutional duties. Right. And I believe that this stimulus package, as well as every other stimulus package, is beyond that. And you know, one of the questions I would ask then is, by what authority, what constitutional authority, what 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 article and clause in the Constitution do they assume authority to to devi- deviate uh, giving money out to the people? I don't believe that there is any such place. Sure, sure. And, the, and so the, the the stimulus package in and of itself is unconstitutional. And, you know, the other concern about it is is that it that is socialism. When the government starts handing out monies. You know that I don't know. It, it, it's it's just not proper, and we all of us, all of us, should say we don't want anything to do with it. I don't want any money from the government. You know the 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 Constitution allows the federal government to spend money in 19 ways. There's 19 authorities that they have, and that's it. And so we, the people, shouldn't want a stimulus package. It, it, it's not proper. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, the, the thing, a couple of things about that. In fact, it's, it's fraught with all kinds of problems. I agree with you. Uh, but but if, we, if we say constitutional, was it constitutional for them to shut down businesses to, to not okay, allow well, people to make money? That wasn't constitutional either. So they, they, they kick you, and then they say, here's some money to make you feel better. Okay, well, well in other words, here, here's the thing. If it's not constitutional, okay, so the, the Supreme Court case, uh, Marbury, Marbury versus Madison, says it very, very clearly. And it quotes that uh, any any law made that is repugnant to the Constitution is null and void. So, in other words, if Congress or if your governor comes out with anything that is contrary to the Constitution, you simply ignore it. So, these businesses that are being shut down, the government's not shutting them down. Every one of them are shutting themselves down. They're voluntarily shutting their own business down because they've been told to. But the, the one giving the orders and telling them to has no authority, no constituted authority mm-hmm. to tell them to. So if you shut your business down, it's your own dang fault. Keep your doors open. 
and do your business as you want to do because it's your right to do so. The government is not there to control us. The government is there to help us to aid the individuals in claiming, using, and defending our rights. And as soon as they breach that or do anything other than that, they have gone beyond their constituted authority. And yeah. so I, I, what I'm saying is that, that people who own businesses, you're foolish if you follow what somebody tells you to do simply because they think they're in a position of authority. Don't do that. Keep your doors open if you want to. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Appreciate the call, Ryan. And so, Great to talk right. to you. Have a good day. You know, the, the, the problem I see with that is if the government's telling all of your customers that they shouldn't go eat at your restaurant, even if you keep your doors open, basically the government is already shooting you down. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's unconstitutional, and you should keep your business open. But if nobody comes to your business, what's the point of even even keeping it open at that point? So I, I, I heard a story yesterday. I thought this was fascinating. Joseph Stalin, uh, we all know who he was and what he believed. Uh, he, he, he was uh, giving a speech in front of the people, just some of his leaders, and they, there was a chicken in the courtyard, and he had the chicken plucked alive. Chicken was bloodied and beat up and hurting, and uh, so so he had this done. He actually did it himself. He had he, he had it done. He pulled pulled the feathers off the chicken, and then he offered. He grabbed a bag of chicken feed and started feeding the chicken, and the chicken started following him around, and the chicken wanted to be around him and do everything that he said and everything that he did. And he said, that is how you control the people. He says, it doesn't matter how bad you hurt them. If you give them a little bit of chicken scratch, they're going to follow you around and do what you say. Good story. Good lesson there. Okay, uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Roy, I believe, is on line three. Roy, how are you today? Great. How are you today, Andy? I'm good. Thank you for calling. Good. Well, Joseph Stalin also said that that it didn't matter who voted. It only matters who counts the votes. Oh, good point. Yeah, that, that's interesting too, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so also uh, on this stimulus package, it would be really nice if I had a pecking order to go and talk to Chuck Schumer and say, hey, the comedy clubs are suffering like Jerry Seinfeld did. Yeah. And you need to add stimulus to them. And so he did. Yes, and it's did. in that bill as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's... So it, wouldn't it be nice if all of us could just do that same thing? Say, hey, we're kind of hurting this year. And uh, sure, it would be nice if we could be added to a stimulus package if something came along like that. Sure makes you wonder, too, about all those art foundations that were slated to get millions and millions of dollars that aren't even open. <laughs> yeah, That's right. You know what I mean? Obviously, they... They got somebody's ear on that one, didn't they? They did. It's not right. It's just what's been going on in the last several years is just not right. It needs to be uh, fixed. We, the people, need to stand up and fix this. Let me ask you, Roy, while I have you, um, this statement, whether it's 600 or 2,000, whatever it ends up being, uh, do you feel ethically obligated to turn it down? I mean, it would be foolish, right, if, if – if you're given money, it would be foolish to turn it down, right? I mean, what, what are you going to do with it? What, you, you can't say no. Everybody else gets I don't know. I, I'm ethically conflicted here. I'd be surprised if anybody turned it down, really. Sure. I, I just I just don't see it happening. But $600, really? I mean, yeah. what's that, you know? Not much. Not, Not much. much. 
get you a couple of dinners out. Not, that's about it. <laughs> not for what we've been through this year. That sure as heck isn't going to cover it. For sure. For sure. All right, Roy, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks. Let's go to line one. Seth, what's going on this morning? How are you? Uh, Stinson is that last name. And if caller number one would call me, I'd certainly like to visit him. I'm in the book. Okay. Along with anybody else. I'm, I, I'm a, I'd talk to anybody, you know? I know you would, Seth. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, just a little bit of uh, Christmas humor, uh, because all of this heavy stuff weighs on a person's psyche after a while. But there were two large mountain lions out by Ivan's. They've been in the desert, uh, you know, where they filmed Jeremiah Johnson in uh, the park up there. Mm-hmm. And, and they were just hungry and thirsty and the one mountain lion said to the other mountain lion after he held up his paws he said who said there's no sandy claws uh sandy claws i like it very good sandy claws (laughs) um the first caller and all of the callers are correct if it's not in the constitution these people all of them who vote for it need to be removed from office because there is no free lunch. I, I agree with you. But again, I'm a little conflicted, Seth. Am I supposed to not accept the money? Um, yes, I'm conflicted, too. I, you know, I don't have enough money to do everything I want to do. Sure. But on the other hand, why don't we do this instead? Uh, we send a check back uh, because it's worthless, and then we ask for the same amount in gold, in gold and silver yeah. coin, yeah. that is in the Constitution. <laughs> and I'll guarantee you, none of us will get gold and silver. Nope, not not even an ounce. No way, okay. no way. And, yeah. and uh, we could, if we were clever, we could buy silverware to eat off of to prevent this so-called pandemic, or we could invest in silver or gold coins. But you couldn't even buy one gold coin, so it would have to be silver at about 30 to $35 per one-ounce coin. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So uh, it's time that from top to bottom, we hold these people, all of them, accountable, and especially the ones that are appointed, like the mayors and, and the other people, who raise our taxes with no opportunity to remove them from office. Yeah. All right, Seth. i got to run. Thanks for the call. Thank you, sir. Talk to you tomorrow. We're going to have a little special uh, Seth's Corner tomorrow on the program. We are also tomorrow on the program going to hear from Mayor John Pike in his final days as mayor of St. George City. He was not originally scheduled to come on this week, but after talking to him yesterday with his appointment to the uh, Spencer Cox cabinet as the uh, insurance commissioner. Uh, perhaps you can explain a little bit exactly what that means, but uh, yeah, the John Pike will come on and uh, he is not moving. I, that's the, one of the things I thought of when I found out he was uh, going to be on the cabinet. I'm like, well, that means he's going to Salt Lake. No, he's going to live here. They're going to have a satellite office in Cedar city. He will commute to that often. He will also fly to Salt Lake fairly often. Uh, but, uh, but Spencer has asked him if he would stay uh, here in southern Utah, which I, I think is kind of a cool idea. It's 928 on KDX. We've got a weather break coming up uh, in just a second. Uh, I, again, I, I'm, just, I'm looking at this package and I'm going, 
Uh, okay, $40 million for the Kennedy Center when it's not open, and $1 billion has been allocated to museums and galleries in the capital city. $1 billion so that the Smithsonian and uh, all, those, all those museums and statues in, uh, in Washington, D.C. can be, I don't know, what are they going to whitewash them? Or they're going to pay a, a janitor $175,000 an hour to mop? I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, Zach Renstrom is going to be with us. Uh, we'll see if we can get his take on things like uh, Zach is a very politically minded, and what I mean is he's very careful with his words. He may not take a stand on things like the Dixie name or the stimulus package, but I'll see if I can draw him out. Every weekday morning at 9, Andy Griffin brings in the most relevant guests, tackles the top issues, and lets your voice be heard. Only, only on KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back to the program. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in today. It's 934. And uh, by the way, uh, last couple of weeks, I have been giving away some gifts, some uh, prizes. Right at the start, it's like at 9.05 and uh, ran out of those. But uh, I'm working on getting you another package to starting at the start of the new year. So we love giving stuff away. Anyway, uh, I am back. And I'll tell you what, this is driving me nuts. Uh, it's my problem, not yours. My uh, left ear, left earpiece on my headset has gone out so i'm only hearing myself on the right side here it's kind of weird but uh, zach renstrom is here zach from the washington water conservancy district he is the water czar i know he hates that title but uh, how you doing zach good it's good to be here today thanks thanks for for coming on uh, the program today i had uh, joked that i was going to try to get you to take a stand on a couple of these issues that are hot right now but i don't know that you really will i uh, the Dixie name thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm smart enough to avoid that issue and just focus on water. <laughs> I kind of thought you might say that. Yeah. Uh, one that's easy is this stimulus package. Uh, you don't have to take a stand, but to, to when when they try to pass a package that was 5,600 pages long and they give it to you two or three hours before the vote, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I, I understand the frustrations behind that. I mean, I, I enjoy reading. I, I'm a fast reader, but there is no way I could read all that in that amount of time. 5,600 pages. If you could do, say, a page a minute, and 5,600 minutes is, uh, let's see, six. Uh, that's like, I don't know, 70 hours or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So in, in two or three hours, I, I don't think so. Not even Speed Reader Zach <laughs> over there. So. Uh, Zach, thanks for coming on. How are we? Uh, how are we fixed water-wise? That one of the things I uh, postulated earlier was it's been somewhat moist e the last month or so. Have we gotten to the point where we're we're feeling a little more comfortable with our with our uh, our watershed, our, our our amount of water in the mountains and stuff? Unfortunately, right now we're we're in a very scary position for water. Oh, um, so above Washington County. Actually, all over the Western United States, they have these sites. They're called snow till sites, and and they snow what snow till tell okay. And it's an acronym, and it basically just measures the snow depth, uh, how much moisture is in that soil snow, and several of them also have soil moisture sensors on it, and it'll tell you how much water is in the soil. By the by, the way, interrupt you. I I figured out the. There was a weird button pushed oh, good. forward here. Now I can hear you in both ears, Zach. So I keep, don't know if keep, that's a good thing or not. No, it is a good thing. Keep, keep going. <laughs> um, so we, we closely monitor those snow tail sites. We, we look at them because it, from the data that we get from those is how we 
determine how to operate our reservoirs, how we divert water to certain reservoirs. And so we look at them almost on a daily basis. And so right now, I looked at them this morning, and all our snowtail sites are below 50% average. Uh-oh. And then to compound that, you look at the soil moisture, um, and the, our soils are, are bone dry. Oh, boy. So what happens is if we do get some rain events, the soil just sucks that moisture up before we really start to get a runoff. And so not only do we have not a very good snow depth going on or very little bit of moisture in the snow that we do have very little of it, the soil is so dry that if something happens, well, the, when, the, when it does start to melt, it just gets sucked up into that soil. So what that means to us right now is we're looking at a very, very limited runoff. Unless we get some really good storms that will come in, um, we're, it's, it's going to be a tough season. And also the last two years, we essentially had no monsoons. Usually we'll have a couple monsoons. Right, July is yeah, mm-hmm. famous for it. And what's great about the, our population, when those monsoons come in, we, within a matter of minutes, see the change on the demand in our system. And people are excellent about turning off their sprinklers and, and stopping air, outside irrigation. And so all of a sudden, uh, you know, in the middle of July, when it's a high-demand day, It'll almost instantly drop off. And that, I mean, just having five or six or seven of those days happen really is helpful. And the last two summers, we really didn't have that. And so as somebody that's responsible for making sure that we have water next summer. You're um, you're worried. I I tell people I start sweating, but I don't want to waste the water. (laughs) So... Uh, it's concerning. So that's salt water. We would have to put it through a process anyways. <laughs> we would, but, so. <laughs> but hopefully, you know, we usually do have some storms that'll come in in July and February that that'll help us out. We that's happened before where we've had a really dry December and then a couple of storms come in. Uh, but when you, we also go and look at other data from um, certain weather patterns and those weather patterns are just showing that everything's just not coming this direction for the next foreseeable future. So, Hopefully in, in January that pattern will change and we'll start getting some. If not, this next summer is going to be pretty brutal. I have a bunch of questions about it that, that you have uh, kind of prompted into my head. Number one, uh, I've never heard of the snow tells. Tell me, tell me where are those things and, and what, uh, how do they measure? What, what exactly do they use to measure? So there's a couple different methods of how they use, but the vast majority of them use basically uh, you can actually Google snow tell and you, and you can go. <laughs> yeah. And you can go and, and pop it up. It's really They actually have a really nice interactive map, and they have uh, spread out throughout the county. So, like, we have two above Enterprise. We have two um, up by Pine Valley Mountain. We have several up above Zions National Park. And they're ran by the federal government. And most of the time, you could hike right past it and really not even notice that they're there. Some of them are contained in a small little tiny building that is like a pipe structure, so you might just think it's an old irrigation thing. Some of them have a, a, a bladder, essentially, where they measure the weight of the snow. And by the weight of the snow, you can determine how much moisture is in that snow. Hmm. And, and they usually have little sensors uh, that bounce um, kind of like an ultrasound to see the depth of it. And so it depends. Some are, are, are fairly simple and some are extremely sophisticated. Uh, there's one above Zion's National Park that has every sensor you could ever ask for. And that's the one we like to look at because that's the one that gives us really good data. Hmm. And then we run a statistical analysis on the runoff on each snow tail site. And so we start to develop which one of our snow tail sites is our kind of our favorite one because we're like, hey, this is a good indication of runoff. So like for Zion's National Park, there's one called Midway. 
Uh, and that's the one that we I like to look at because that usually gives me the best idea of what's going on. And we, we can use those sites too in predicting what the runoff will be almost three or four days before because you can start seeing the snow column collapse and that'll start telling you, okay, that snow column is starting to melt. And then we'll look at the weather saying, hey, a warm day is coming in. And so we can actually get a lot of data about how we should operate our gates and our pumps and stuff to get that water into our reservoirs. Hmm. Okay. Fascinating stuff. Uh, let me ask you about a couple of different things also sure. that came into my mind. Number one, uh, you said it's, it's cause for concern. What happens if, what if we don't get February storms? What happens if things start to get really bad and, we're, and we stay well below where we're supposed to be? What, what are some of the results, some of the things that we're going to have to have to deal with? So fortunately, we have done a great job in our community building redundancy. And so we have some wonderful reservoirs where we can store water from year to year to year. And so we have Quill and Sand Hollow, our main ones for drinking, and then Gunlock, we have some over there for irrigation. So right now, those reservoirs are doing fairly well. Um, they're about 60% full, and so if we could get them up to 70% full, we'll, we'd probably be okay for this next summer. Okay. Um, but what, what we'd probably see this summer is those lakes would get very low. Um, it would really start to affect the recreation that occurs on those lakes because there's just smaller surface area, so there's, you couldn't put as many boats sure. on them. Sure. Um, and then the, the real, where we really start to get nervous is say, okay, we probably could squeak by this summer, but how far do you want, how close to that edge you want to get? And, right. and so that's where we start reaching out to the cities and, and talking to people about conserving water and, you know, maybe instigating, you know, emergency measures of having people turn off their water at certain times or, or just shutting off outside irrigation altogether. And so they, they do that up in Salt Lake. They ran, you know, every yep. other day watering and things like that. So what, what we'd probably do is we'd probably get okay through this summer. Uh, this upcoming summer, but then it really is okay. Then if that next, so next year, next December when I'm in here, uh, if all of a sudden we're looking at the same conditions, then we're going to have to start saying, okay, we really need to really ratchet down what we're doing. And that's, that's where, you know, you start issuing fines and, and punishing people for irrigating during the wrong time of day or mm. having sprinklers that aren't, you know, operating correctly, or it could get to the point where we just say no outside irrigation and people's landscaping starts dying. Yeah. But we in the water business, we always plan for the worst-case scenario. And that's one of the things that why we have these reservoirs to help kind of plan for that stuff, to be ahead of, ahead of the curve. Finally, uh, or you're kind of like a, 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 a epidemiologist <laughs> or a pandemic specialist. They're always going to give us the worst-case scenario yeah. and plan for that just in case. Well, it's uh, one of those things you plan for bear and then you hope can't remember the whole saying, but basically you plan for the worst and, and you pray for the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. a, that sounds like a, a Ron Thompson kind of thing to say, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, one thing it's, I, when people talk to me at water, I, I, I sound very pessimistic, pessimistic, pessimistic. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but I really, I'm actually an optimist in, in, in general. I'm usually very positive, but you know, you kind of have to plan for the worst case scenario for water in case that happens. It's, it's your job. Yep. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, say, and, and, and I've said this before, I, I'm glad there are people like you that worry about that kind of stuff so that we don't have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if your job is to worry about it, hopefully that'll alleviate me, you know, Mr. Joe Average, uh, and not have to worry about, uh, okay, uh, we didn't get a lot of rain lately. Uh, should I be concerned? No, Zach's got it. You got us covered. So with you, with all the utilities, we're doing our job when nobody's thinking about it. Yeah. 
And so, you know, this morning when you got up and you flipped on your light switch and you didn't even think about it and you went and you took a shower or flushed the toilet and you didn't think about it, then we've done our job. Yeah. I like to, I like to hear that. All right. The other question I had is you were talking about all this and the lack of storms and, and, and things we've had. I know you're not a climatologist or a meteorologist, but what would you say is the reason we're not getting the moisture? Do, have, have you talked to anybody about that? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of discussion going on and we, we, Clearly, in the last in the last twenty years, sixteen years of those have been drought scenario on the Virgin River. Wow, eighty percent, so, huh? Yeah. So clearly, we are in a drought cycle now. The, the question that I'm always asked is: Is this just a random statistical drought scenario that comes in every once in a while that we we're just kind of in a dry cycle, or is this something else like global warming or you know? those things. I, like you said, I'm not a clientologist, so I don't get into that detail and stuff like that, but I can tell you that there's definitely been a a change from the historical on how much water is coming down the Virgin River and also the temperatures that are occurring on the Virgin River Basin. We have less water and it's a hotter environment in the last 20 years than it has been previous to that time. Is it possible, and I I kind of hold this belief, and you you can disagree with me if you want to, that it, that's a cyclical thing with the earth. And I mean, the, you know, the, the temperatures rise and fall with the earth over, over the hundreds and thousands of years it's been around. So there's no doubt that when, and this is not my field of expertise. Right. I just want to make sure, sure it's clear, but they go back and they look at the tree rings and they see that you're exactly right. There has been a lot of ups and downs in the climate and how hot it was and how dry it was here in the Western United States. And so there has been fluctuations like that in the past. There's no doubt about it. All right. It's 946. Got to sneak a commercial break in, and when we come back, we'll take some phone calls, Zach. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Uh, really grateful to Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a show sponsor, has been for quite some time now. Uh, his expertise is customer service. This, is, this guy's a loan officer, but he's not just a loan officer. He becomes your actually your teammate as you uh, try to get your house, uh, get a, a loan for your home, or you try to get a, maybe a home equity line, uh, just want to refinance your house and take advantage of these incredible interest rates. Joe Shoney doesn't just say, all right, I'll do it, and, and, and he'll call you when it's over and so you can sign some papers. No, he keeps you informed all the way along the way. That's what he does best. It's Joe Shoney, uh, the uh, company's new American funding. Joe would love to help you out. 496 reviews later, he's shown his true colors to 4.91 out of 5 stars average. It's Joe Shoney. Phone number is 435-590-6300. Back with your calls and more from Zach in one minute. Told you it'd only be a minute. It's 948 now on KDXU. Zach Renstrom is with me from the Washington County Water Conservancy District. Zach, you doing all right? Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Is that purple I see through the double pane glass and glare? Uh, I guess it is. I, a little purplish. It was just the first shirt on the, the half rack <laughs> that I pulled off. I kind of have to do that. I, I get a rotation going. Yeah, right? I the, do. Uh, when I get the new shirts, I put them on the end, and then I kind of rotate them through yep. it. Honestly, I, I, until we were thinking about it, I had to think about what color I was wearing. <laughs> and my, wife, my wife has picked out the color and purchased it, and now I wear it. So It's <laughs> a good boy. All yeah. right, let's, uh, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, caller, you're on with Andy with Zach Renstrom. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you two doing? I'm good. Thank good. you for calling in. Um, actually, I started out with one question. Now I have a question for both of you. Number one, for your guests. Mm-hmm. Um, the way things seem to be shaping up, there's a possibility we might be continued to be overloaded with population for for what this 
desert was really, you know, mm-hmm. was before, and we've done a phenomenal job up to now. But what measures are we taking uh, if, if we get a influx of people coming in from all over even faster than they're coming now? How are we going to plan for the future? Do do we have to stop flushing toilets, or you know what happens? So it's interesting you brought that up. Uh, in 2017, the Kim C. Gardner Institute with the University of Utah uh, did a population study for well the whole state of Utah, but for Washington County, and they would come up with ranges of saying this is the high number and this is the low number. What's interesting is going. I mean, that study was just done three years ago, and so for 2020, they had a certain high number. Well, we've actually exceeded their high number for population growth, basically meaning that our growth is occurring faster than they even predicted. And we were labeled as the fastest at that time. Like, they assumed that we'd be the fastest-growing county in, in the state of Utah, and we exceeded their expectations. So, yeah, there, there's rapid growth going on. There's no question about that. Um, I've I guess that means we're going to have to take some drastic steps at some point. You know, down here, the old-timers talk about uh, St. George's being a tent city sometime in the future where um, people will be flooding in here, um, you know, to seek safety or, some, you know, protection of some kind. But anyway, uh, if we get into a situation, anything like that, I I think we're going to have to, to learn to really do without... Uh, the water that we use, because every time I flush, you've succeeded in, in one regard, because every time I flush, I think about how many gallons of water <laughs> it took took for, you know, the toilet to get cleaned out. So, well, well, I'm glad you're thinking about it. So, Yeah, there's not much else I can do but that. My other question, Andy, yeah. uh, you, and I, you and I both uh, talked one time some couple months ago about being disappointed in Mitt Romney and so forth, but... Um, I I guess I've I've tried over the past uh, oh over the past year I've written uh, numerous letters and sent them out to to news outlets and haven't heard a, a peep back from all that I I thought I could maybe make an influence but you know we're getting to a point where people good people need to stand up and and make an effort and a sacrifice how how difficult is it for people these days to get into politics and really make a difference uh, in the in the political world you know it's a that's a great question and, and I think about you know just this past not this election we had last month but uh, a year ago with some of this, the people that ran for city council and it is hard at first because uh, voters see right away hey this is a newcomer they don't necessarily know what they're doing yet uh, but I think if, if you you know, if you really want to make a difference and you came out with a platform that speaks to people and, you know, and said, hey, this is what I see wrong, this is why I'm running, I think eventually, it might take an election or two, but I think eventually it would start resonating. I think we're, we're in an unprecedented time in our, in our state's history, in our country's history, in our world's history where we need people that are going to be different. You know, and that's why I like Mike Lee and Chris Stewart. These, these are not career politicians who are just trying to go, you know, follow the party line. These are guys that are, you know, like, like with, this, with this vote we just had on the, on the stimulus relief. They're like, wait, I didn't even get to read it. You can't make me vote yes on it until I read it. And, and, but most of the Senate 
And most of the house went, yeah, yeah, it's good. Let's just, 600 bucks. That'll, that'll help get me reelected next time. So I, I really uh, think. What, I, what I'm seeing is, is just total disaster. I, I, uh, we should have elected uh, a, a good president that's got a four-year good track record, and uh, we shouldn't be involved with all these, all the corruption and the stuff that we've got going on in Washington, D.C. And I, even in the Republican Party, I, I don't see a lot of leadership, real good leadership. There's some that are, are there, but, but we need to, in fact, I was thinking, Maybe it's to our advantage to go to to a three party system, but then I think uh, if we do that, we're gonna we're gonna lose maybe the influence that we have with the Republican Party. So I don't know what to think about this, but I'm very unhappy and dissatisfied with what's going on. I, I agree with you. There's a, a senator from Florida, a congressman from Florida, who gave a speech yesterday. My son played it for me. It was really inspiring, and it addresses exactly what you were talking about. Uh, and I'm going to see if I can get get my son to text me and give me that guy's name before the show is over. But uh, he talks about being dissatisfied. In fact, the, the very thing, the Republican Party, he said, I'm done with the Republican Party as it is now. He said, I want a repar- party that more reflects what I really feel and think. And if we have to make a new party, maybe that's the answer. But he's, he's pretty pretty darn frustrated. So I feel your pain, and I think he does too. Let me see if I can find that name for you before the show's over, okay? Okay. It's uh, 9.55 right now. Zach, uh, the future. Uh, we want to talk about that Lake Powell pipeline. When, when you first came on, I was first on the show, you were learning from Ron, and we were getting this whole thing put together. Uh, and uh, the Lake Powell pipeline sounded like a fantastic idea to me. I've, I still think it's a good idea, but I've heard a lot of people now that say, well, you know, if we build the pipeline, more people are going to come. It's going to invite them to come. What would you say to someone like that? So... The cities are the the entities that basically come out with the master plans and the zoning and the building permits and stuff like that. So as as somebody that's over the water, it's, it's not my it's it's not my duty or fiduciary duty to go tell cities what to do. Um, those are the elected officials that people elected. And what's nice is it really is the most local election you can have, where you know these are your next door neighbors that are making these decisions. And all those cities have developed master plans, basically outline what they want the future of their cities. Um, every single one has it. And they're all saying that they are wanting to invite other people here um, from all over, including making sure that our own children live, live here. Yeah, that'd and, be nice. And yep. have, yeah, have that opportunity. So when people start talking about, well, how many people do you want here? I, I often say, you know, I, I have my personal opinion on that. Um, but, but I will say I have three kids and in about, oh, maybe 10 years, I'm going to want three more water connections for them to have a house. And I have, I also moved here from outside the community and I'm grateful that the people that were living here at the time invited me and welcomed me into this community. And, and it's been an amazing place to raise my family. So I'm, for, so I'm very grateful for that. I would also add that if I was in living in California right now, I'd be doing everything I could to get out of there. Yeah. So yeah, me too. Uh, Commissioner yeah. Iverson often calls them political refugees. And, and I, I understand that too. So it, it, it's a, it's a tough discussion, um, but it really is a discussion that's being had at the city levels of what, what needs to happen. And if people have strong feelings, I would say reach out and talk to their city councilman uh, because those are the individuals that are, will be making that actual decision. It's uh, nine fifty seven. by the way, uh, my, got my son to text me back, Matt Gates, G A E T Z is the name of that uh, congressman representative from Florida 
Google his name and the speech he gave. I think he gave it yesterday. If it wasn't yesterday, it was it was this week. Uh, very inspiring, and uh, it was kind of a, it was one of those speeches that was like, I'm kind of tired of all the garbage that's going on, and let's let's cut through all the garbage and, and let's talk truth here. So, uh, yeah, caller, if uh, if you want to check that out, Matt Gates, G A E T Z. He does say a couple of swear words in his speech. Uh, I don't think he said any of the big ones, but he said some of them, you know, kind of farmer swear words. So just just a warning there. It's a PG-13 maybe, not not the R rating. So, I'll have to anyway. check that out, too. That's, that yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to listen to it again because it was really good. And I'm watching a ball game, and he's playing, and I'm like, hey, let me turn the game down and listen to this huh. guy. That's how, that's how good it was. I have an, an uncle that's a rancher and a farmer, and, and he often says it's okay to say biblical swear words. So... <laughs> That's what I think those are the ones you use. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, tomorrow on the program, uh, John Pike will join me. John Pike, uh, of course, uh, you know him well. Is he still, is, he was on the waterboard, right? Yes. He, is, is he going to stay with that? I have no idea. Um, technically, so the, the, the term that he has on the waterboard is two more years. And so, and from my understanding, he's still going to be in the community. So right. to be on the board, you have to be a citizen in Washington County. So he could still be on the board. Still going to live here, yeah. Um, but, but I don't know. I haven't had an opportunity to reach out and talk to him about that. Okay. Well, John will be on the program tomorrow. It was not his normal. It's Mayor Thursday. It was not his normal Thursday to be here. But uh, given the fact that he's taken a job in the cabinet with Spencer Cox uh, as the insurance commissioner, mm-hmm. I don't, not even sure what that means exactly, but... Uh, I want to call him the insurance czar, like you're the water czar, but he, he probably wouldn't like that either. But John will be here tomorrow. He'll take your calls. You can, you know, if you want to, you can say goodbye in a nice way, or if you want to, you can say good riddance. Whatever, you know, it fills your heart full of joy tomorrow. Uh, I want to thank Zach Renstrom, though. Zach, thank you for coming in today. It's always enlightening. No, it's great being here, and I just appreciate getting coming on your show every every month. It's a great opportunity. Thank you. He's Zach Renstrom from the Washington County Water Conservancy District. Again, John Pike, tomorrow we're off on Christmas Day. We're going to take a day off eventually. We're going to take Christmas Day off, also off on New Year's Day. But we'll be around between now and those two times. And uh, thanks for listening. Time now for news.